Wasted. <laughs> We're continuing our series about power for life. And, uh, we uh, life is good, huh? It can be uh, a challenge. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> that's that's a gentle word for it at times, uh, but it's good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you are here with us, that you love us. God, that you, uh, while you don't guarantee an easy street, you guarantee that you'll walk with us down it. And Lord, we just pray you'd be with us here today, that you would make us more like you than we were when we, were, when we arrived. Your name, amen. So this week is about pursuit. And uh, do you ever know somebody that only pursued you when they wanted something? That's annoying, right? Right? And then, especially if you're worried about sounding kind of mean, you kind of put up with it. You know, you you give that smile, but you're not, you're only like half listening to what they say. And the rest of the time, you're thinking about whatever, like what you're going to have for dinner or whether you take the garbage out or whether the bills are going to be okay this year or, you know, what, or whether you're, whether you're going to lose your husband to football for the next four, four months and how that's going to work, what that's going to look like. And you guys ever see that, uh, it's really funny. Uh, I think it was either an Onion article. You guys, who, who's ever read like The Onion or The Babylon Bee, like those really funny satirical websites? And so there was one, as the headline was, uh, was man um, says goodbye to his family uh, with tear shot eyes for the next four months when football season starts. It's, I thought that was kind of humorous. Uh, we, uh, we live in an interesting culture, Right? We, uh, we, have, we build these huge temples, or we call them stadiums, and we fill them with people. And some, some folks go, you know, we just want to see a good game, and that's cool, and, and we enjoy ourselves. And other folks, you know, like tomorrow at work, there will be moods, depending on what happens today, right? <laughs> there will be moods, depending on what's happening today. There are folks uh, that I work with who could probably give me, give me every single person on the Bills roster, even if, that person, even if that person's name never sees the light of day besides like on a piece of paper somewhere. Um, and that's fine as long as we can remember the names of important people in our lives that we need to pray for, too. It's fine as long as we can remember that stuff God did for us. It's fine to be excited about things and enjoy things as long as they're not in the way of other things. Sometimes, we, and I, football is my illustration, so I don't want you to think I'm like picking on you because I really like football a lot. It's like watching chess, but people get hit. 
That is awesome. Especially for a nerd like me, awesome. Okay. It's like, it is like full contact battle chess. I will never get tired of watching it. I really like it. So don't think I'm like picking on people like football. But sometimes we find ourselves pursuing things that really aren't as valuable to us as we're convinced they are. Whether the Bills win or not today doesn't have much to do with whether or not my life will be better tomorrow. Now, I hope they win. But if they don't, eh, all right, well, okay. <laughs> say, say that again? <laughs> yes, that's because the Packers played 425. I'm sorry, the Packers. I, I'm being prejudiced here. There are Packers and Raiders fans in the building too. Okay. <laughs> so sometimes we have a tendency to pursue things that are not really worthy of our time and we'll pursue them with an abandon that is a little scary. We find ourselves throwing things at the TV when the thing we pursue doesn't work out so well. <laughs> we find ourselves preoccupied constantly. It's the only thing we can ever talk about. It's the only thing we think about. Or it's the thing we think, it's like our default thought. If we have nothing else to do, we go to that. Whatever that default thought is, that's what our mind is preoccupied with. That's what we care about. The question we should be asking is when I pursue these other things, are they really worthy of my time? Now, that's not to say that we should not do anything except pursue Jesus. We have children, we have wives. We have stuff. Our lives are not just, you know, like I've said a million times, our lives are not just sit in the pew, give some money, and sing some songs. Right? That's, that's not what the Christian life is supposed to be. But at the same time, we should be concerned with ourselves when we are pursuing things to a point that it shifts our personality or who we are around that thing, and it's not Christ. that should be a concern. Because when those things shape us, if we're pursuing something like that, where it has the power to change our personality, where it has the power to adjust how we think, where it has the power to dominate our thoughts, if that thing that we're chasing isn't Christ, then it will inevitably warp our thoughts and desires, whatever that is. Because we're made to have Christ at the center of our lives, to be image bearers of Christ in the world, and everything else is filtered through that. Sometimes, though, we get mixed up, right? And I'm just as guilty of this as anyone else. 
But a lot of times when we pursue these other things, they twist us. We see this in the scriptures. The Pharisees and other Jewish leaders, it's, look, it's easy to knock on them, right? Because they were obviously just crazy, okay? They're walking around saying Jesus is casting out demons by the power of demons. Insane. Uh, just crazy things. But look, they didn't wake up one morning and they were like, you know, I just don't like that Jesus dude. No, 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 no. What they were doing was inevitable because they had, they had been pursuing the wrong things. Those things, had been, those things had slowly twisted them over time so that when Jesus came along, the guy who reveals the secrets of every man's heart, whether we want him to or not, <laughs> we found out exactly who they were. And it wasn't pretty. Today, I want to poke at you a little bit. And I want you to ask yourselves, what in your life are you pursuing? And with what are you pursuing it? We just read Acts 2, 1 through 4. Let's read Acts 1, 6, 7, and 8. I didn't give this to you, I'm sorry. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, now, Luke is picking up almost as much, almost right where he left off, at the end of Luke into Acts, okay? So Acts kind of has the, you know, the end part of this conversation before Jesus ascends. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel. Now, when he asks that question, when they ask that question, they're not thinking the way we're thinking right now. They're still wondering when the conquest is going to come. They're not sure. Like, they don't really, still don't really understand what's happening. (sighs) The response... He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Translation. Just relax. And be open to whatever God is doing. And it will happen. Don't try to control it. Don't try to tell me what to do. I'm telling you what to do. Go and wait. And you'll get something awesome, and then God will do something awesome. Sometimes in life, we tell ourselves we're pursuing God. We say, you know, I'm pursuing Christ. But what we're actually doing is we're pursuing God so that he will do X. We want, we need money. Who's seen Bruce Almighty? If you have not seen Bruce Almighty, you should see it. It is hilarious. 
And it's one of my favorite movies because it illustrates so well what would happen if I got to be God for a day (laughs) or a week or whatever it is, right? Bruce spends most of the movie, right? Bruce gets the power of God. He spends most of the movie just being all about himself. He's using God's power to do whatever he wants. He tells everyone yes because he can't be bothered to actually answer their prayers. So he's like, you know what? I'll just tell everyone yes. That did not go well. (laughs) No. You know how many prayers there are about winning the lottery? Yeah. Bruce thought that being God meant you get to do whatever you want, however you want, whatever you want to do it, and you don't have to worry about anyone else. But we all know that God is actually concerned about his people and that he actually cares about his people. A lot of times we pursue God because we want him to do something for us. We want to be like his manager, right? We, a lot of times, want to be, act like we're God's supervisor. We're like, God, you can't do that. You know what, God? I want your power in my life, but you only can do it this way. And so Jesus' response is, Nuh-uh. <laughs> That's not how this is going to happen. <laughs> I'm God. You are not God. So we will do things my way. I don't need your advice. You ever try to give God advice? I have tried to give God advice. It's a waste of time. (laughs) I mean, after all, if God needed your advice, he would not be God. Right. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Classic pastor Danism. (laughs) But a lot of times we find ourselves pursuing God because we think that we need God to, do, to deliver us X, to deliver us that extra cash that we need because we're not sure how we're going to pay the bills. Now look, that doesn't mean we shouldn't ask God for the extra cash to pay the bills. But if that's all we ever talk to God about, there's a deficiency in our relationship. If I only ever talked to Emily when I wanted something from her, First of all, we would have never got married (laughs) because she'd been like, I'm out. I'm not doing that. (laughs) Emily convinced me just by being herself that she was the woman I wanted to marry because she demonstrated more than once that she was willing to put herself aside and put me first. I hope that's one of the reasons she married me. You have to ask her. (laughs) It could be because I'm really hot. I don't know. But you have to ask her. You'd have to ask her. (laughs) So (laughs) she's not here. That's why I'm saying it. Right. I'm taking advantage of that. (laughs) Yeah. Please, please don't. When I put this on the website, this part will be conspicuously missing (laughs) from the recording. Uh, (laughs) But if I only ever pursued my wife because I wanted something from her, that would get old really fast. When I sit down in counseling situations, I've actually had couples say that to me. Like, I feel like he only talks to me when he wants something. 
But a lot of times we treat God that way. We only want God to help us survive to the next day. Just get me through tomorrow. Now, some days I get it. Okay? I've been feeling that way a lot lately. Sometimes, especially recently, I feel like I'm, there's like empty and then there's where I am. I'm like negative, negative gas tank stuff going on. So I get it. But if all we ever want from God is to survive from one day to the next, we're kind of living below our inheritance. I mean, that's basic stuff. Now, sometimes it doesn't feel basic, right? The problems in life feel enormous at times. They look enormous. Giants are tall, right? David standing in front of Goliath. That's not a little dude. That's like two cars stacked on top of each other. They're just like, oh, what's up? I get it. The mortgage is coming. We don't have enough money in the bank for that. That's a problem. Or we don't have enough money in the bank for the mortgage, the other bills, the other bills, the other bills that I don't like to talk about. You know, the list goes on, right? And so we get so wrapped up in survival mode that we only pursue God when we want to survive. And the rest of the time, we don't really want God's power because it makes us nervous. It kind of takes control out of our hands. We would rather sometimes treat God like he's just kind of some dude over there and Christianity like it's really just a philosophy. Because without the power of God in Christianity, you just really have a philosophy. You don't have power. Without the relationship, it's just a study about God. That's why at Steel City we focus on relationships. We focus on relationships with each other and relationships outside. Because without relationship, you just have a philosophy, right? Marriages can get this way. They can get to the point where you know a lot about your Spouse, you could predict everything they do. You literally don't even have to see them all day. You could write down what they did. And they did it. Probably to, to the, like, the minute. You know them. But just because you know them doesn't mean you love them. We can know all about each other without really knowing each other or being close. That takes relationship. That takes back and forth. It takes give and take. And that give and take, that back and forth, that relationship, that pursuit can never stop. Because when it does, our relationship dries up and it becomes philosophy. And you might respect that other person. You might even like them. but you'll find yourself desiring them less. You'll find yourself treating them more like a thing that you can use and less like a person that you can give yourself to. This happens in our walk with God. 
we have a tendency to treat it like a philosophy that loses its passion. The passion of those early days when we were fresh out of a life devoted to something that we shouldn't be devoted to. How do we keep going? Right? You'll hear sermons a million times about, oh, it's important for us to stay focused on God and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we know. It's like saying the sky is blue. Yes, we know. What now? Well, what do we do? Well, I hate to say this to you. It's, there's no like easy magic word or button to press. Just like any relationship, it takes some work. It takes some time. Some time spent alone with God in prayer because you want to get to know him. And a genuine openness. Look, if we're going to pursue God, then we're going to have to have the disciples' attitude. Jesus told them to go and wait, and you will receive power. Jesus told them to relax, to not be trying to force the issue. So the disciples, what did they do? They waited. They did what Jesus said. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Pentecost is the 50th day after Passover, 5 0. That's why it was called Pentecost. God moved. But if they hadn't stayed and waited, they wouldn't have been there for when God moved. Because what did the disciples need? What did the disciples need more than anything to spread the gospel? They needed the Holy Spirit. They needed the power of the Holy Spirit. Picture this in your head. See, a lot of folks, when they talk about Christianity, mostly because they don't know what they're talking about, they imagine that there's this, there was this religion created and it was put forward by the Roman Empire and it was like, you know, the, the official religion and that's how it became what it became. Of course, if we do any reading about the early church and about the Roman Empire, we know exactly the opposite is true that Christians were murdered and hunted and killed for on and off for about two to three centuries. Christianity was illegal until the early fourth century. Illegal. You know, Christianity's illegal in China. There are 100 million Christians in China right now. 100 million. That's more Christians than there are here. Despite all that persecution... And sometimes because of it, the church grew. Everyone say Tertullian. One more time, Tertullian. Tertullian was a Christian philosopher who lived in the second century. Well, late second, early third. And he was born a pagan. Lived in the Roman Empire, not Jewish. And he's, he's telling this story about how he's sitting outside... And he's watching as a cage is drawn by horse. There's Christians in it. And they're going to be fed to animals in the Colosseum. 
just watching this happen. And you would expect, like everyone else would do at the time, and now, curses and, oh, God hates you and blah, blah, blah. No, 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 none of that. He said they were singing. Singing. Ridiculous. They were singing about the glory of God and about how good he is while they were being carted to their doom. Tertullian became a Christian because of that. He could not believe the power of a God who could change a heart like that. Plenty of gods can change a human heart into a murderer who will murder another for their religion or, to de- or just to defend themselves. But it is quite difficult to change the human heart into a willing sacrifice who will be led to his death while singing so that the gospel can move forward. That is impossible without the Holy Spirit. The disciples needed the power of the Holy Spirit. And look, we have a tendency, right, when we talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, this can get a little hinky for folks. Everyone say hinky. I don't even know where that word came from. No idea. I'm sure I heard it somewhere. It makes people uncomfortable. Do you want to know why? It's not because it's unbiblical. It's because we have been raised with an unbiblical worldview for such a long time. We have been raised to think, right, that the world is over here and that God is over here and never the twain shall meet. But the biblical worldview is that heaven and earth intersect and overlap They're most especially designed to do that in the hearts and the lives of Christians. The world was designed with heaven and earth to intersect and overlap together, especially in human beings, because we carry that spark of God in us. But we've been taught to think differently. especially in the West in the last few hundred years. The supernatural doesn't happen. It's just an uneducated person's way of explaining things they can't understand. Okay. Well, listen to a doctor explain why something that was there before now isn't and he had nothing to do with it. That's funny. (laughs) Kim's like yes it is I've seen it happen plenty of times it is entertaining our worldview at least the one we're trained to think from is wrong We want to pursue God because we want the supernatural invasion of the Holy Spirit to come in and help us with our needs. But God says, I have called you to be representatives of me on this earth. And so God's 
interested in giving us the infilling of the Holy Spirit, not so that we can feel good about ourselves, not so we can have crazy, interesting times where we speak in a prayer language, which is totally biblical, or where we are slain in the Spirit, which is also totally biblical, but so that we carry the power of the Holy Spirit with us to another place and we infect someone else's life with it. We infect a community with it. The power of the Holy Spirit moved on the disciples and so when Saul, who later becomes Paul, when he is there and the church is persecuted in Acts chapter 8, they are spread out of Jerusalem. They're literally chased out of Jerusalem. Well, that backfired, didn't it? Because the church was just hanging out in Jerusalem. They were doing what we do. They, were hang- they had erected their own little lifestyle, and they were cool. They were getting together. They were meeting every day. They had fellowship. They had prayer. They ate together. They shared all their possessions. It was a really cool thing, but they weren't going anywhere. Then the persecution came, and they scattered. And guess what happened? The gospel scattered. All of a sudden, the gospel found its way to Ethiopia. It found its way to the Asians. It found its way into Greece. It found its way to Rome. It found its way to Spain. It found its way into the Arabian Peninsula. It found its way up into northern parts of Asia. It found its way everywhere. Why? Persecution. How did it survive? The Holy Spirit. Go with me to Acts chapter 8. Chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. Now when the apostles of Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, so right away, Acts is telling us what? That the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the fall of the Holy Spirit on a person, is a different event from getting baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and becoming a Christian. The Holy Spirit comes in our lives, but whatever this is, this baptism in the Spirit, this falling of the Holy Spirit on us, it's different. It's not the same, quite the same thing as what we have, as what happens. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Let's jump to Acts 19. I like Acts too because it's narrative. I like preaching out of narrative. It's fun. Acts 19. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. So they're in Ephesus. It was like a major city. Major, major city at the time. There he found some disciples and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, well, no, we have not heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Ah. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. 
And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And, then, and when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. Huh. Different event. Linked, but not exactly the same. Again, stuff can make us uncomfortable because we're raised to think a certain way. It's not to say that we don't love science and we don't think, right? I mean, science is how most of us got here. We drove cars. There's a very little boy, not so little anymore. How, how, how much does Ethan weigh now? Like 13-ish pounds? 15 pounds. Oh, I'm sorry, Marlene. Yes, how, how much does Ethan weigh now? The baby? Uh, 13. 13 pounds, yeah. And Ethan was, when Ethan was born, he weighed a pound and a half. So the Holy Spirit and the power of God had a lot to do with that. And science and doctors had something to do with that too, right? We can live in a world where we were made to be representatives of God and live in a world where the Holy Spirit moves to do things that we can't do, like change the heart of a person who hates us or hates God. But here's the thing. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, the move, the power of the Holy Spirit is not just to help you survive from one day to the next. That's not what he's for. Now, Trust me when I tell you that he has done that for me plenty of times. But that's not what he's for. He wants to bathe you in power so that you can change the world around you. Now, a lot of times when we hear change the world, it sounds so grandiose, right? Oh, you're going to change the world. Well, a million people thought they were going to do that, and it never happens. Okay, who cares about that? Change your world where you are. You've got, everyone's got a little world around them, a sphere of influence. That, that is what we are supposed to be empowered to change. When we pursue God, we should ask ourselves why we are pursuing God. So I want to back up to the beginning just for a second. We should be asking ourselves, what are we pursuing? And is it worth our time? That doesn't mean we shouldn't have, like, in things that we enjoy, that would be strange for us to not enjoy anything. That actually is the opposite of Christianity. What are we pursuing with all of our soul, and is it worth our time? And if it's the Lord, why are we pursuing the Lord? Is it just because we want to survive till tomorrow? That's too small a goal. If we think the gospel is just so we can survive to tomorrow, our gospel is too small. The gospel is more than this. And so three, if the gospel is more than this and we want to be bathed in power by the Holy Spirit, 
who can we minister to? The power of the Holy Spirit is unlocked when we praise Him. Even when we're going through some hard times. Especially when we're going through some hard times. It's unleashed, especially in our personal life, in a prayer language. The the Bible calls it speaking in other tongues. Now this is a very uncomfortable conversation for many folks. A very uncomfortable topic for many. So we'll just put it like this. Speaking in in this other prayer language is kind of like a gateway to other things. It's kind of like a groan within your spirit. Sometimes we don't have the words to really say what we feel. Sometimes we look at a situation and we don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. A lot of times it just starts as a groan. The scripture says the Holy Spirit groans with us in words that we cannot express. And then it becomes something else often. A language you've never learned. It's a miracle. That's essentially what it is. God does miracles. It's kind of his thing. It's a language miracle. A lot of times it's personal. It's something that is only for you at home. Sometimes it's, it's for public use, depending on the situation. But one of the things that it does is it helps loosen us up a little bit because we're kind of uptight when it comes to God and like I said, we often want to think, we'll say out loud that we're humble and we're servants of God, but in reality, we often treat God like we're in charge of him. No, God, you're not allowed to do that. You can't move that way. That was how Jesus got crucified, right? Jesus came along, revealed God in the flesh. He wasn't what we wanted, so we killed him. A lot of times, developing this with the Holy Spirit, and it's a gift from the Holy Spirit, it can loosen us up so that we're more open to what God wants to do. Because a lot of times we'll say, God, I'm going to pursue you. I want you to move in power, just not that way or that way or that way or that way. (laughs) Those aren't allowed. (laughs) Right, yeah. We want to treat God like he's a wide receiver on the bills. You can only, you, can, you can't go outside the lines and catch the ball, God. It's not allowed. Right. The power of God is released in lives through prophecy. Now, when people say prophecy, a lot of times you're imagining some weirdo with a crystal ball, right? I see pain in your future. Well, thank you very much. That was very specific, right? No. 
if you read the prophets, as often as they are saying, you will all die, which there's a lot of that, there's also a, hey, why don't you just change? There's often a, hey, God is going to save you. Prophecy is often a word of encouragement in people's lives. It's often a way of speaking into a life. It says, you know what? If you just change this, with, if you just partner with God to change this in your life, the blessing will come to you. So that's a prop prophetic in a person's life. People need to hear that stuff. You ever, you ever say something to someone and it impacted them and you don't even remember what you said? And then the person will come up to you like a week later, two weeks later, like, I needed to hear that. And you're like, oh, that's really great. I am so glad that God blessed you. And you walk away and you're like, dude, I don't even know what I said. <laughs> Holy Spirit. Prophecy. The Spirit moved. You spoke. You were used by God. And it impacted their life. God's not into magic tricks, right? If he was, Jesus would have been doing magic tricks all day. He'd have been pulling palm trees out of his shirt. He'd have, he'd have been walking around like, well, yeah, how do you like this? And it'd just like make the Jordan River go dry just because. Because I'm God and I'm awesome, right? No, when Jesus came to do miracles, what did he do? He healed the sick. He cured the blind folks. He cleansed the leper. He made the deaf hear. He raised the dead. Why? They impact people. This is who we are. If we follow Christ, we are new creations who don't need to be so focused on surviving from one day to the next. But now, as we pursue God, and ask him to bring power into our lives. Real power. We're not going to Bruce Almighty it. And use God's power to make out all, the, all the things done wrong to us right. Because good luck with that. You'll be going on forever. Instead, we can take the power of God that he invests in us. And we can let it flow to other people. So, uh, Daryl, you want to come up and play? What I want to do is if you want to pursue God's power in your life, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, or if you want just power in your life, in a couple minutes I'm going to invite you to come up and join us for prayer. If, uh, Pastor Dan, if you could come up and join me uh, to pray. Uh, Mom and Dad, you were... You're up here praying. If you could come up in just a minute. Um, uh, yeah. Here, uh, do this. I don't, I don't normally do this, but I feel led to do it because... The baptism in the Holy Spirit is a very powerful experience. It's something that I had a um, experience with that I didn't understand at the time. 
but God worked marvelous wonders. I want to share a story with you about a lady. Her name was Sister Garofala. She was a Christian. She was long with the Lord. This happened about 30 years ago. I was a youth pastor at Expressway Assembly in Buffalo. And we were meeting at the service with the senior pastor. And he had said that we're having a missionary from a country called Chad. I don't know if it still exists, but it's on the African continent. And this missionary was coming in three months. Or sorry, three weeks. And this missionary was supposed to be a very, very powerful missionary. I don't remember his name, I'm sorry. We started the service that day, and Sister Garofalo was a very straight-laced, elderly, conservative, wore a dress to church, and if you didn't, you, weren't, uh, you were not on Sister Garofalo's list. But we, she never, under any circumstances, would do anything in a service that would be public, that would be disruptive, we started the worship service the day me and the pastor announced the missionary, and we started to do the song, and Sister Garofalo stood up, and this is what she did. Now, you're going to laugh. She stood up, and she went, Whoop! and she sat down. I went, strange. Okay. And we did the worship service. The next Sunday, the very same thing. We started the worship service. And Sister Garofala, and she sat down, just one time. Did this for three weeks running. Well, this is what happened. A missionary came, and he was a musician, so we let him lead the worship service. And me and the pastor were standing in the back, and we're praying, Oh, Sister Garofala, please don't do that with the visiting missionary. We didn't want Sister Garofala to do that. We didn't understand that man didn't play two notes in the worship service, and up went Sister Garofala. She went whoop again and sat down, and the missionary dropped his guitar, ran down the aisle, hugged Sister Garofala, and says, I can't believe the Lord just did that. And then he walked back, and then he explained. He was coming, and he had a message for the church. And what that was was a Chadian dance that Chadian natives did when he was ministering in Chad when they came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. They accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, and that was their dance. Sister Garofala never, I guess she's a straight-laced elderly lady, never left the city of Buffalo, and I know for a fact because I asked her, never left the city of Buffalo in her life, never traveled. She was just a Buffalonian till the day she passed. So when you see something strange or something you don't understand or something happens that you can't explain, don't be afraid. God is not a God of fear, but he's a God of love, discipline, sound thinking. But he does wonderful and marvelous things. Something's about to break forth. I had a conversation with Pastor that I feel in my spirit that something is about to break forth here. So when you come and you seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit, come expecting to receive because God is about to do something. <laughs>
And I felt led to share that with you, and that's all I have to say. But do not fear what you don't understand, because God is a God of wonders and marvelous deeds. If He could speak all we know into creation, He could speak everything we've ever known in six literal days. What can He do for us today? If in six literal days he created all we see, what's he been up to for the last 2,000 years? It's beyond our imaginations. Thank you, John. Thank you. Uh, Bill Sullivan, also, if you could join us. If uh, you guys could join us up here, we're going to pray. So if you, if you want this, come up and pray with us. We'll pray with you. If you don't, no guilt. You're not a bad person. You don't hate God. All that other stuff. All right? Okay? But if you want this and you want the power of God to move in your life and you want it to move in the church in a new way, in a way that maybe you're not familiar with, come up and join us and pray with us.